Hey, hey, hey! What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Musician's Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Mark, and today I have the privilege of speaking with my very good friend, Mr. Johnny Rab. Johnny is the drummer for alternative rock band Collective Soul and also has his own project called New 80. He came to my attention a couple decades ago as he was just the like most prominent guy on the clinic scene. So basically if you type in Johnny Rab on Google or YouTube you're going to see tons of stuff. You can check him out at johnnyrab.com. Um, I will link all his socials and stuff in the show notes as usual. But uh, for now, let's get straight to it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Mr. Johnny Rab. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing, man? Good, good, good. Did I catch you at a, a cool time? or? No. No, dude, you're awesome. I was just saying out loud to myself, my lack of, it's all, you're amazing. My lack of planning and like ADD, which like when I get off the road, like it just, it's, it's hilarious. I need to change my ways. I do not do a good job planning. No, I knew we had our meeting today. I was more just, um, I made a, a split decision, snap decision to come up to this place that we my dad and my wife and i bought together like during the pandemic it was like a super affordable outdoorsy like river place that yeah so like in a nutshell no you're great (laughs) (laughs) amazing amazing well um you you know uh, i'm gonna jump straight into it and and i'm recording and um basically just to to kind of give you the bullet points here um you know, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about the music industry, about your journey. Not so much the stuff that has been well documented over the years, even though we'll probably touch base okay. on that. Um, but okay. but more more sort of um, the whole idea behind the stuff is to talk about like the real life aspects, you know, the yeah. ups and downs, the adversities, the the stresses, the... Yeah. The whole, um, the hardships of trying to remain a self-employed musician, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. you know, and, and I know, um, you've been so kind with your time over the years that, that I have been able to talk to you about some of the stuff before, but, um, if I do bring up some of the stuff that you have told me before, it's not in ignorance. It's just in, um, you know, obviously listeners wouldn't have heard those conversations, you know, I buddy, you're, we're friends. I, of course, man. I appreciate it. So it's all fantastic. Cool, cool, cool. Well, okay. So Johnny, what I'll do is I'll record a nice long introduction uh, post recording for this. Yep. But uh, just so our listeners know a little bit more about Johnny Reb, would you kindly just give us a little bit of an introduction yourself? Let us know who you are, what you've done, what you're up to, please. Yeah. Hey, Travis. What's up, buddy? This is. Uh... I'm Johnny, and <laughs> I have been playing, I guess, for a living or professionally playing drums and doing music for at least 30 years, being, you know, on and off. And uh, currently, I am the drummer in the band Collective Soul for the past, this was the 11th year. Cool. Uh, re- recorded records with the guys, both uh, live record and three studio, and we're continuous, continuing to be... Uh, recording in january in palm springs 
my past was I kind of invented my own career because I was uh, working at uh, in Nashville at a, a Red Lobster restaurant and it was super annoying, but it was the only place that would allow you to leave, go on tour and then come back and have a job after you toured. So I was doing country music from 96 through eh, 2002 or three. And in that need for money and for, I tried to innovate all the time. I came up with the rhythm saw drumstick and tried to develop that. That was very frustrating, but then that turned into a full blown stick company kind of on accident. But once that happened, I stopped doing the road to focus on the stick company. It grew to like number two or three battling for number two in the world. Uh, and then all of a sudden it came crashing down. Um, meaning all of a sudden over the course of five years, of course, because of bad partner, bad partnership, that thing would still be going if I had a partner that didn't, I guess, lose the passion slash, um, mismanage it. So, uh, you know, Currently, we are still doing Johnny Rap Drumsticks. I got my rights back from um, the company that bought the patent for the Rhythm Saw. Uh, finally got that back years ago, so I have that, and we're, we're trying to get that going. And still, I did a lot of book writing, and we're now having our own publishing company, so everything's just kind of changing to the new do-it-yourself ways of things. But I've, I've still... The, the thing that's changed the most probably is I don't do... Um, haven't been doing clinics for Roland Electronics or for a drum company for years. And that's kind of how I got my start. Uh, again, I, I would look at opportunities as kind of getting my name out there. And that even includes, uh, you know, the drumometer and the world's fastest drummer. That was a, a thing that was really fun and trying to get noticed, trying to get, you know, you have to get noticed. So that's, um, that was the back drummers drumming type of career. And, and as I said, lots, lots of bands in between, but, um, and now I'm 50 and it's a little different and weird. There you go. What brought you to my attention like 20 or more years ago was the fact that you were everywhere. I mean, like, not that we had the sort of advances of, of systems like YouTube back then, but anytime I got my hands on a, a modern drummer magazine. You were in it for product placements or anytime somebody was kind enough to give me some kind of bootleg of a clinic back then. Cause I mean, I grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa. Yep. So it wasn't like these things weren't as easily gained as what they are here in the States. But, but I, um, man, you, you were just everywhere. And I was like, wow. And then I heard about that world's fastest drummer thing, and again, your name popped up, and I was like, I gotta, gotta find out more about this dude, and super glad <laughs> I did. And and you know, there's so many topics we could take from your your introduction, so I'm gonna have to kind of like pull it back a little bit here because there's so many different things I want to talk to you about. But let's start by sort of saying or going into the innovator inventor kind of stuff because you were and still are, as far as I'm concerned, you were so ahead of the game with that stuff. You know, like a lot of drummers in particular, and obviously this this podcast is for musicians all, all across the board, but in today's yep. one, we're talking to a drummer and most drummers seem to kind of get these gigs as side guys or their band kind of breaks through and, and they're just drummers. And, and I don't mean that in a condescending way, but, but you were always just coming up with stuff, man. The rhythm saw, your books, 
it just the the jungle stuff you were doing with like splash symbols on a on a snare drum. I'd never seen anybody do that kind of stuff. So my yeah. question here, rather than to go into why your mind maybe works like that, which you know you probably don't even know, it's it's just one of those things we wired different ways as humans. But yeah, but my question here for you and for our listeners to maybe get something out of is. How important do you think it is to try and sort of maybe push sort of those 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 conclusion lines or those finish lines forward so that you're a little bit different or to think a little bit out of the box so that maybe you are a little bit different to everybody else? Especially nowadays with so many educational facilities, which are amazing. I'm not trying to condescend those okay. at all. But yep. what I notice is, um, you know, you get like 100 kids going in and the ones that do last, more often than not, a lot of them come out playing very similar. Now, that's not to say they play the same, but very similar. And I just, I've always thought you were very different. And I think that's amazing. And I would like to know how important you think that is. That's awesome, Travis. I appreciate it. I will tell you it's extremely important. I will also tell you that over the years, and I will get, I will stay positive here, but um, it's so important to me that it drives me nuts when I see uh people on instagram and it's even to my other friends that have invented stuff just being ripped off and um it's okay to go they would say like good artists you know do whatever and great artists steal it's like cool to steal an idea but a lot of credit is not given yeah um i think it's important you know to mention that that you know the drumble idea will handle and pitch changing and that's why i only have a, a handful of guys and gals that i have seen uh in this day and age that i'm like whoa only a handful because yeah. every every other one i'm like that is something that is I, I was doing back in whatever like the like you said the drumble thing it it does drive me a little bit batty to watch just people like pretend that it's a brand new thing to put the uh you know like you said a splash on a snare or or the same beats like the same drum and bass beats out of my book or i want people to learn but I don't love the pretending that they came up with it. So yeah. I see there's a lot of folks that are posting things um, that are just like, look at look at this. I, I did this. And it's like the world goes, oh, my God, that's amazing. You did that. And then I'm going, you didn't do that. But yeah. but it doesn't matter that I'm the jerk because I'm the negative guy, you know. So a lot of a lot of my close friends know that that bugs me, but I'm trying to move forward and. And almost a good friend of mine said, well, what are you doing with it now? What are you doing with the freehand technique now? Like there's people that are doing it and using it and posting more than you post. And you're, and I used to get freaked out at them um, being like, whoa, hold on a second. That's like exercise number, whatever, off page, whatever. And it's yeah. like, you're saying that this is brand new. So you can sense, and I'll leave it at that, that I have a little jadedness about the kind of ripoffs and the things. And, but you know, I guess I'm happy that uh, way back that it got, you know, when I say invented, I was inspired by Kenwood to use the rim for That's sure, cool. you know, for the freehand, which is the one handed roll yeah. thing. But, but I will say, I feel like I developed it to where it's controlled and any rhythm and all this stuff. So it's important, but it also bites in the, in the rear end, because if you were the first to do something and people see it, they're not exactly going to say that, that, oh, I got that from so-and-so. Um, I don't understand who invent really truly invented double 
bass or double pedal. You know what I mean? Like, or concepts to do a six on the double bass. I do them all the time. I admit, I can't go back and go, I got this from Steve Smith and I'm positive of it. Or I got this from, but I, I'm, I'm proud that certain concepts that I've come up with have turned into like norm, but I'm also a little, little bit bummed out because I thought there would be a little bit more like fair play that came along with it. Like this, you know, the freehand technique, I named it that on purpose. So it would have a name, you know, uh, the drumble kind of came up with that and came up with ideas with that. So it would, hopefully people would be like, man, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. That's that thing Rab does. Yeah. Um, I know we're going all over the place, but here's how important innovation is to me. Uh, me and Jesse, the guitar player, you, uh, you met him, uh, I think, Fletcher. So he was a drummer. And so we passed back and forth drum stuff. And he used to play the, our, our drumsticks and all that stuff. And um, quick story, there's only a few dudes on the internet right now that I'm like, holy crap, what on earth are you doing? And I've reached out to them and told them that you are amazing. You know, and it's like the gentleman from Spain, Estefano, that's not even his name probably, but like, you know what I mean? He's, he's just ridiculous. And then there's a dude that's like, I don't know who he is at all. And Jesse was showing me it, and it's like, he's using microphones and stuff. Like he's actually using the mic to sweep along the drum. He's got a guitar cable stretched across the drum. He's making a talk. The dude is like, so innovative with his beats and stuff that it would be impossible for anyone else to do it without it with for me for me to um to be able to go that is not from that guy and sure enough you know this and i sent it to jesse somebody very sloppy was like my microphone hit the ground and like i decided to you know, it would be a neat sound and it was like horribly played, horribly done. And it was that dude. It was, in other words, it was the exact attempt at just being like, Hey, I'll post this sweeping microphone. So it makes the sound like, you know, crazy where the audio is like, you know, whoot, boom, whoot, you know, whatever. So whoever this dude is, and I'll try to get you some links so we can, you know, at least have something for your podcast to go. Here's what he's talking about. That drives me nuts. And I'll never forget in the van on the way to the gig, uh, our bass player, my, my friend Will goes, you got to do that. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like I'll try to, I'll try to do something that was inspired maybe by that dude, but I am not, you're never going to see me pick up a microphone now. And because it's amazing yeah. and go, bang, and I'm not going to do it. It's the dudes that is so unique to that dude. That's how I kind of live. I'm not, you're not, I don't think people should, I think there's an art thing that makes them the artist. It's like, if they're really, truly an artist, I'm not talking about a rock beat, but like that guy or like my friend, I'm calling him my friend from Spain. That is absolutely, I don't know who's going to catch him up, catch up to him chop wise ever. And like one handed drumming and stick twirling and stick hitting off the snare. I want to do everything he does Yeah. so badly with my technique, but I would never post a video that was like his licks or groove i just would not and it's like people all day are like check out this drum and bass groove and it's like oh my god like guys this is not new yeah none of it so anyway i know a little high horse there but, no uh, no not at all it, it, it's you know it's like you say it's it's frustrating that you don't get the credit you deserve and i suppose all we can hope for is that as the years go by because I, I feel like people who who do enough research will know you know 
and I hope for your sake they do. And and I hope that things like the, this kind of source maybe educate them on on who you are and stuff like that. Because credit is due where it's due. And and unfortunately, I think we are living in a time where, especially due to the advent of um, social media, everyone's trying so hard to be the next thing that goes viral. That yep. you know those those kinds of. Uh, I don't want to say those kinds of integrities and morals have gone out the window because I'm I'm obviously stereotyping, but I do think a lot of the time it's more about, hey, look at me, and and if this happens to blow up for me, then screw that other guy, and, and it's kind of sad because, again, it it goes down to something I've spoken about in a few of the previous interviews. It's like if musicians could just learn, like humans or mankind in general, if we could learn to work together, man, we would achieve so much more. But it's it's just human nature, I suppose, you know. Is it is human nature? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's uh, let's backtrack again. So during the course of your last answer, you you used the word jaded. Now here's something I want to talk about. Okay, we don't necessarily have to get into specifics if you don't want to, but I think again, more often than not, the music industry is viewed in a certain light, and what I um think is often perceived incorrectly is just how many hardships you might face as a self-employed musician. So like, you know, people see us with a drink in our hand or or hanging out backstage or, or doing whatever they think we're yeah. doing. And they think that it's all just a party 24-7. So <laughs> how do you find personally for yourself, how do you find ways to remain motivated and disciplined enough to keep pushing forward as a self-employed musician because essentially that's what you are i know that you're playing with collective soul and stuff now but you're a i don't mean this in a derogatory way you're you're a as much as you're a band member you're a hired guy that throughout your career has has been having to find ways to make money correct yes when i'm off the road there's no um nothing happening so it's up to me to make things happen and that's almost the same thing we talked about about working as a bartender and things and, and a server and going this is not what i want to do so what money replaces that server thing so you the hardships and and things like that i mean you and i hung out a month ago month and a half ago you saw how it goes uh, tour bus we all hung out it's rare you me and ed got to hang out that was a rarity usually everyone's like does their thing you know, you go on the bus overnight to the next city. You can choose to have a beer or two or not. Usually we do. We hang out, we laugh. But, you know, I have a daughter, two daughters. And um, I say that because I have stepdaughter and a daughter, but they're both my daughters. And then uh, Bridget, my wife at home, uh, pets. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm, my dad is nearby. I I'm, care about him. So, like, a lot of times right now, how do I keep myself moving forward was the question. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I am doing projects on a home to make the home more fun for the family or for, you know, nice. We're, we're lucky, both my wife and I, that I have my career and she has a totally successful career with what she does. So we have a great lifestyle and I have to remember that. So I, when it comes to drumming, I don't have that drive that I used to have. Um, and it, Part of it is my fault when I see, you know, I wish that when YouTube came out, I understood it as much as some of the younger guys understood it. I didn't understand it. I was the guy that was like, what is this for? You know, and then of course now I get it. Instagram, 
who would have known that what that was going to turn into a um, kind of short attention span theater for of YouTube. Yeah. That's what it is. Half the time it's videos. You're not barely looking at still shots. If you are, it's like a roll of like six, you know, so um, you got lessons on there. You got, you could, you could probably almost get a degree off of Instagram. If you, if somebody guided you through what to learn off there as a drummer, I mean, it's like, um, so I guess certain days I don't Travis. certain days I am bummed, but I try to turn that around and realize, hold on a second. You did this stuff in the past. There are, and again, none of this, it, it might sound arrogant or woe is me. It's more just, it's just how it goes. It's like the days of doing live clinics are, they're not over, but they're not the same. You don't have a workshop that is at so-and-so's drum shop in California, for example, and then get your sponsors to help with it. You just, because of the internet, that's all taken care of. People can see demos on their, on their phone. And let's face it. You used to have to buy VHS tapes and DVDs of your favorite drummer, period. Now I can see more of Neil Peart than I ever thought possible as a kid. And the sad part is I haven't seen it. Does that make sense? Like, like I'm as a kid, if you would have fast forwarded and asked the 50 year old me, like, dude, you can see endless interviews with Neil and like endless solos and outtakes and rush. And, and you haven't looked at it. You're an idiot. But the bottom line is, I haven't. I'm so used to the tangible DVD purchase or Steve Smith VHS purchase or buy a paper book and go through pages and have it get wrinkled and have it get ruined and have to get a second or third copy. I'm not used to it. You know, I'm not the old guy, but I'm not, I embrace it. And I love it, but I'm not, I, I don't know how the generations do it right now where it's like, they're just like, they can't even imagine working out of an actual book. Um, or they can't even we're so flooded with from the from the most amazing drummers to the most horrific um and that probably goes uh, that that's not being rude it's just anyone is allowed to paste it uh, or post post it cut and paste and post it um and so sometimes that new lifestyle gets me in a funk and i don't have the drive i'm like why bother but then sometimes i'm like you know what Maybe I should, you know, I showed a friend of mine, some musician, some old Roland videos. And he's like, he was kind of telling me, he's like, I didn't know you did this stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, there's a sampler and here it is. And he's like, oh, cause he was showing me some stuff. Somebody's doing with Ableton. And I was kind of like, dude, let me kind of, I get what you're talking about. Cause here's what I used to do. Why don't you do that now? I'm like, I just so tired of, you know, <laughs> watching people, rehash what I think I've already kind of looked at. And, and don't get me wrong. Remember I said, there are people that blow my mind that I, I can't even, there's, there's millions of drummers. I can't even touch. It's just out of frustration where I'm like, huh, I worked so hard. And it's kind of like, I don't think it's denied, but it's like, I, I constantly say out loud who the F cares. No one cares. And I'm not being negative. I'm just like, does anyone care if I post a freehand video? Because posting said video takes an hour. It does not take an hour. You know, you can do one really quick in 15 minutes, but if you really want to do like the produce mics and, you know, put it into logic and then bounce it out and then sync it to your phone, eh, hour tops or whatever. But I just, I have plans for that, but I'm telling you, buddy, like you just said, I, I, I'll tell people 
you have to have a life on the outside of whether you're full-time drummer or you're fun, you know, hobby drummer, or you're like a gigging weekend drummer. You have to, in my opinion, I have to like go do something in the yard or look at, you know, nature or, or sit around. I can't just, you know, at the end of my life go like, dude, I'm so glad I posted like 9,000 videos in the freehand. Yeah. It's like, because already you nailed something earlier. My goal as a kid in my twenties was to do what you were just saying. I lucked out and it worked to get in print and get into videos and work for like Roland and early days, like DW clinician and Minel, like big, you know, early days of Minel and like being able to be really part of their development of, of some of the generation X series and stuff. And, you know, but I'm going to be honest, some people don't know that stuff even exists, existed. I'm, you know, it's just what it is. If you don't stay relevant, you will be forgotten. Case in point, you and me would go back today together and look on like Drummer World. We might have heard of like some of the like Chick Webb and all these guys, but we don't know. Most most people don't know. I don't. I don't know all that dude did. I know he's amazing. I know he's. I know he's amazing. Completely. But. And the print media thing in general, it's it's crazy. Kind of what you were saying with like the the having tangible stuff. It's it's very interesting because. Even myself, it's like I was always a like a follower of of artists. If I found an artist or a or a musician yep. or a band or something that I liked, it was like you know I wanted to follow their career. I'd buy each album and I'd buy each live release and et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And then again, you know, with the internet, it's it's incredible because now, like you you mentioned prior, you can pull up things that you've never ever seen. Like recently, I pulled up this old Soundgarden footage that how they even filmed this. This is like sort of eighty eight, eighty nine, and you kind of wow. you kind of go, how did how did anybody find this stuff? Like, and how did it get online? Like, that's it's incredible. I I often wonder, you know, and I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but for for the most part, if you look at how attention span seems to have gone with some of the social medias, there's moments where I'm like, man. Imagine my progress had YouTube existed. Oh, I know. I and, know exactly. But but then on the other side of that, I look at some of the, and again, I'm stereotyping, so I don't, I don't mean to, but some of the up-and-coming musicians of a certain age demographic, and I look at how they do play or how they can't seem to sit in a pocket for a whole song or, or, or certain things that might seem negative. And I wonder to myself that maybe the distractions of all the information maybe that's not such a good thing because maybe maybe it would have been the same for for guys like you and i you know maybe if we could have pulled up 30 videos of a guy that we were in, into maybe we wouldn't have learned the the sort of stuff from just watching one video you know i don't know no you know it's a great it's a i love the deep ideas of topics like that and, and the bottom line is here comes like a christmas time back in the day and literally it was what do you want? And the big gifts, literally, I remember this in high school, the big gifts, Steve Smith, VHS and rush, um, you know, some live rush video, you know what I mean? Like a VHS. And I would sit, put in the physical VHS and watch the concert. Think about how many rush concerts are online now from somebody's phone or bootleg or, and they're not even considered bootlegs anymore, unless there's like express band saying you may not film and it's getting enforced. 
It's like that was unheard of. Drum clinics, filming a drum clinic from the audience, totally not heard of. You would pay a ticket price and you have a paper ticket and walk in. And it was a huge deal to meet the drummer. It was like a massive deal. And Jerry Brown was my first one when I was like 12. And I was like, oh, yeah. And like, dude, I didn't understand who Jerry was. I didn't. As soon as I did, holy crap, you know, through college, just like with him with Stanley Clark and then Stevie Wonder and, you know, then becoming, you know, reacquainted with him. Be like, I was at, you were in my first clinic. And he's like, oh my God. And he even got to the point where I, I texted him or something. And I said, hey, I just want to thank you for the years of the influence. I'll th- thank you very much, John. Now it's your turn. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, because it was like he even was like, what is this that we do? What is, how is this changing? And it, um, so we could go on and on. I just think I was just talking to Bridget about how, and it was like tough because it got into a, not a debate, but it got into like a, an understanding, but also just my frustration was apparent that if you gave me a vote, I still, even though I love and I'm guilty, I am so guilty of if I hear something at a bar and I think it's amazing or some sort of groove, I'll do the, you know, Shazam or the Siri and go, what is the song? So I too will admit, I love the power of like the instant, you know, wave reading and like being like, whoa, this is Mojo and like this song and whatever. And I'm like, but what I don't love is for example, that song I just mentioned, right? That band's been around for a long time. I did not contribute $1 to them. I play that song a lot, like as a single. And I'm like, dude, this is that guitar riff is amazing. It's very pre-Daft Punk, like just re- really cool, right? And I'm like realizing, I'm like, you didn't buy the record. You rented it for like pennies on the dollar through iTunes or whatever you, you downloaded it through and or Apple Music. And I pay a certain subscription fee per month, but like there are full albums that I'm renting. I understand they might get a fraction, but like it used to be like you just said, every outfield record that came out, I was at tower records buying the record. They didn't have a website back then. Every rush record on vinyl and on CD, when those started coming out, I was literally contributing the 1599. Sure. Take out all the label fees, all the, I get it, but Rush got something out of me and my parents, you know, hurt them allowing me to go to Tower and actually shop for records. So, and um, I mean, case in point, Steve Smith, I didn't really care that he was in Journey till like way later. I was more infatuated with Vital Information. So he became he became my favorite drummer. The way you're talking about, him. I'm like, holy crap, you can play like that. And then started looking at his fusions. So I had no idea really that he was in Journey and and, and wasn't a Journey fan at that time. So it was a true, like, even him and I've talked about it. I like own like his obscure jazz fusion stuff. He's like, you have that? I'm like, yeah, it's your best record in my opinion. It's my favorite. And it's one. And so I guess I'm, I would go back to the day of hard, like you can't, it's never going to be reversed. But if you said vote me personally, I wish the world did that because it was hard to get the info out there. But man, did it really mean something. You really had to, you know, if you want to do everything, you know what I mean? It meant something more. Oh, dude, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And, and you know, again, we're probably uh, sounding like a bunch of old farts to our listeners. But you know what I would take back or, or would, would love to kind of employ back into young bands and musicians 
is the camaraderie of forming a band and like having to go to the print shop, get some flyers printed and stand out at like the traffic lights, handing them out and sticking them on people's cars and stuff like yep. that versus just going, oh, there's a Facebook event. Um, just let us know if you're going. It's like uh, that that camaraderie, that gang mentality. I spoke to Rich Redmond about it in the very first episode of this. Just that that gang mentality, that dangerous element of we're in a freaking band and we're like yep. a gang and we're going to take over. And even if it didn't take over, you you just developed this brothership with like complete strangers that uh, I, I don't know if that happens so much now. It might. I'm sure there's, there's exceptions to every rule, but, but I think with the average musician sitting at home now, playing by themselves, creating content for social media versus trying to go... And, and again, you know, it's it's... It makes it sound like I'm saying that that's their choice. It's not necessarily just their choice. It's where the world is now. And plus, we don't have nearly as many venues as we used to have. So there are sort of advances that have led us to this. But it's just, you know, I taught as um, head of music at the Guildford College for, for a while. And I really felt for um, I felt for some of those kids, man. Because yeah, you got these, like, kids aged 15 to 20. And they want to, like, be in bands. They want to be musicians and... And like the the idea of them probably not having to slug it out in a van, sleeping on bits of gear while they go from town to town to sort of pay their dues. And I don't mean that in like a really bad way, like that's what has to happen. But it's like, I enjoyed those days. And and I'm so grateful that I had them, even though at the time having like someone's bass amp as a pillow seemed uncomfortable and and like a a pain, I would never trade it. Like it was some of the best days of my life, you know. Of course, of course, the failed tours are important. Yeah, uh, many, very much so. The failed bands, the the cross country trip from Nashville to L.A. to go to Nam in a van with a trailer, with drumsticks in the back, and my band, and trying to go get signed and on, uh, you know, it, you know, going to clubs in L.A. on the strip. I mean, it was like totally. You think you're being Guns and Roses or something? You think you're, you know, and it's it's a interesting thing that you said because i i mean this in the in the and again it's not talking crap it's just it's just being I'm, realistic the thing that is nuts for me to me is i'm looking at some people going to music college and i totally went i went to berkeley and it's awesome and i've seen some footage of some classes being taught and the the students sound amazing and i i literally though immediately have this heartfelt fear of like what are you guys going to do after college because it's so different. And now don't get me wrong. There's some amazing bands and artists that I'm like, whoa, you guys are so sick. And they are definitely younger bands. So it's not like I'm, I just don't understand the model these days. It's not the same. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's okay. Um, you know, like songs getting viral on TikTok, and then that makes them famous. So it's like, that's a different look than I'm used to. So, um, and, and believe me, even back in my twenties, I didn't understand how labels totally worked and how you got signed. I sort of did, but you, you really did make demo tapes and demo. You were lucky if you could afford to get CDs pressed. Now CDs are kind of like a dollar a piece or if less 59 cents for, you know, it's like, Whoa. Yeah. And most, most people don't buy them because most people stream their music off their phones now. That's right. The eighties by NU 80 band, the original music we just did on the, I'm laughing that it's available on 
I'm not laughing in a bad way. It's like, I just, I'm like, whoa, okay. We really are available on Spotify, iTunes. Your stuff is, you know, it's like, it's my friend's stuff is I'm like, Oh, weird. And we have like a thousand CDs for like shows. We sell them. And it's just a funny, I, I just don't have any expectations. And that's out of a little bit out of some ignorance on the new game, but you know, also like you just said, back in my day, we used to, it's, it's kind of sounding like that, but I just try to be cool with it and um, learn. And as I said, I have a really young friend that's in my neighborhood. That's an amazing artist. And I'm trying to help him get his stuff, you know, quote unquote signed or whatever. And he is so into all of it, TikTok to, you know, everything you can imagine and, and streaming and posting. And so it's fun to get with him and we kind of like help each other, like, I try to help him avoid certain things. He tries to be like, Hey dude, here's what you could do better on your, your Instagram. And you know, it's uh. so I'm all for it. I'm just a dude that happened to grow up with radio and you only heard the song on the radio and your local station. Then you went to go buy it. If you liked it at the record store, that's, that's how it was. So it's, it's really fascinating. That's come this far. It's crazy. Yes. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let's let's kind of like pull it back to working and yep. getting work and all that kind of stuff. So you obviously did the clinic thing for quite a while. You did the education thing for quite a while. You you have the sticks, you still do, uh, as well as a bunch of other things. But at some point, you know, even though you're playing with a bunch of different people, at some point you get the Collective Soul gig. Now I've listened to numerous interviews um, with you on other podcasts and, and I've read about you and again as mentioned earlier I've been lucky enough to interview you a couple times so I know pretty much how you got that gig we're not going to go into that but my sort of turnaround in relation to this is at a point especially when you're a side man um, you almost need an in to get a gig you know, uh, some people call it yeah. a bro hookup. Some people call it having a connection. Some people call it networking. Whatever you want to call it, doesn't really matter. Um, but my question to you would be, what advice do you have to up-and-comers or even guys who've been doing this for a while that maybe want to get into that sort of realm of work about trying to form connections or networking so that maybe, just maybe, they might get the opportunity to audition for a band that's already established? It's a pretty simple one. You live in New Orleans. I used to live in Nashville. I live in Indianapolis. I live in Indianapolis now because of the cost of living is awesome. We were able to, it's, it's very nice for the kids. Um, it would not have been where I, nothing wrong with Indianapolis, but would have moved necessarily to try to tour or be in a you know band. You're in a music town. Uh, Nashville's Music City has changed 100% from when I was there. In ni- uh, I, I moved there in 96, but the bottom line is just legitimately getting out and and actually get connections. If you stay, you know, you got to go and network when I was, you know, if you move to Nashville, you better start going and go call drum paradise, introduce yourself. Hey, can I come say hi? You know, start meeting people, start going, can I intern at a studio? These are things I didn't necessarily know to do um, when I moved there, but you pick a town that has where either where you want to be or where you think that the touring's happening. I mean, Nashville country touring, LA. I have no idea. Uh, a lot of my friends that live there were always struggling with like, how do you get the name gig, you know, of an artist or whatever. Um, the first prerequisite is like, are you good? 
at drums and are you a good human being and literally those two uh, i'd say that being the are can you get along with people do you have an, do you have a bad attitude are you arrogant those aren't going to fly uh there's some people that are big musicians that have arrogant and bad attitudes but i'm saying nine times out of ten as a drummer going in you need to be able to get along and work really hard and and play almost every gig that might be offered so and that includes going out and seeing other bands and being like, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm new to town. How's it going? What, what's a good place to, Hey, you sound great on bass. What, you know, what do you, um, Oh man, thanks. Or who knows how they react? Well, you just kind of go to open jams and whatever. And then you kind of got to commit to what you want to do. Get, get a goal. Are you wanting to literally, I'm going to use Nashville's example. Are you dying to get on a tour bus and ha- have a country front person that you're backing? That's what it's going to be. You're going to be backing an artist. Like that's, it's just, that's how it works there. It's an artist and the management is like all about the artist. And then they usually have a band leader and then they hire the band. And like that band can change. Sometimes it gets solid and stays the same, but a lot of times it's fluctuating. And if something goes wrong, new drummer, new bass player, uh, the band leader, um, you know, I guess like, uh, mentality of like you know the the guy running the band and md musical director it's like okay uh and i know it sounds like i'm blowing this off i'm not it's just more expectations setting them in the right spots one of the biggest things what are the real expectations that are gonna that can happen you know i had my friend when i was in california dude move to nashville you'll have a gig within two weeks and i was like really he's like dude really Total bullshit. Not his fault. I went there. I didn't really start getting any work for three years. Like, yeah, three to five years, like where it was like steady. Um, Hence the stick company starting. You know what I mean? I had to do something in the industry. So networking is um, reaching out, trying to find out, you know, and, and not being afraid. If you're like, I love music so much get in a wedding i hate the word wedding band but you know what i mean like more of a yeah like a function function kind of band yeah cover band because you're at least sharpening your skills and learning styles and and getting you know getting good so it's like believe me i wish i would have reached out a little harder on that as opposed to stuck with the red lobster but i was determined to kind of you know this is my little base camp this red lobster weird job and then i'm gonna go down and do Broadway gigs every night possible. And I did, and I didn't make hardly any money. Sometimes I paid to play, meaning parking and whatever, but I met every connection on Broadway, everyone. And it, it, that's where I got, you know, gigs. Um, Broadway is a broad term. Third and Lindsley, literally that street, that was a club that was very popular with the Wooten brothers every Wednesday night. I did make connections there for like the Tanya Tucker band. So like doing funk stuff and, um, and you never know who you're going to see the guitar player that got me the Tanya gig was playing bass that night. And he sounded great on bass, but he was like the leading Nashville's top, one of top uh, guitar session players, Tom Bukovac, even Jesse was like, what? I'm like, yeah. So I, I was in a battle of the bands and Tom was playing bass for one of the bands, original bands. Like, dude, I don't play bass. I just saw you drum. Would you be interested in, in, uh, you know, Tanya Tucker gig. I said, yeah, I would. And he's like, all right, let me call. And it wasn't this simple. Let me call Brian, the band leader and, and then see what happens. And it was like literally kind of a no rehearsal come sub it. Um, and then I did. And for like the next four years was 
on and off with Tanya. And it was, you know, that was a real gig. And like I said, Tom sounded great on bass, but I know what he meant. He meant I'm literally the shredding guitar player in the studio, like literally first call session guy. And he was just being like, look, I'm not really a bass player. I'm just having fun tonight. But so you never know who is watching or who is, you did have that kind of thing. You know, people come up and, um, see you and, and, and things like that. I will tell you that I've never, never in my life got a gig from an audition. I went to them. I went to a couple and they were rare. They were rare. They were, you did not hear about them. I mean, I had my stick company office in Soundcheck, meaning the, the big facility that's the, one of the biggest of the two, SAR and Soundcheck in Nashville. My stick office was right there. I was less than 50 yards, sometimes 25 yards away from bands rehearsing, like huge bands. And I'd see my friends walking by. I'm like, where are you going? Oh, dude, so-and-so's got an audition today. I'm like, oh, amazing. But, you know what I mean? You're just like, I am right here. I had no idea. How'd you hear about it? Oh, yo, so, so I don't know. The cattle call th- type things, I never got uh, the audition. In fact, you just said it, bro connections or people there to know. I, uh, I was recommended for a gig by another drummer that was quitting the gig leaving the gig and he's like dude I, I here's the bro connection basically uh johnny should take this gig and, and the band leader's like okay cool and joel my friend joel's like yeah you should be good dude like i've recommended you I'm, I'm taking off you can take my place i'm like oh man so i thought here it comes here comes a decent real tour and going for the audition there was a um little bar of like five four that was really weird in the in the song really weird but i mean i, ha- I had everything dude i had like the little pickle the little 10 inch snare for the loop part of the song that you know it went really well but then the dude before me slayed it and i was like okay i'm not getting this and i was okay with it and then i made the little error on the five four bar which normally wouldn't have happened i was just kind of nervous and, yeah yeah of course and i was kind of noticing the bass player who was the band leader just kind of not giving a shit that i was even playing well he'd made his mind up well get ready i was like yeah that dude before me is awesome um and i knew the guy i'm like good job like i'm like dude i think you got that that was awesome and i went home and the band leader called he's like hey we ended up going with somebody else i just want to give you a courtesy call i'm like oh man was it the guy before me and he's like oh no it's a friend of mine (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's just the way it goes huh and now keep in mind recommended for the gig then visibly and audibly beaten out by the dude before me like i would have chosen not me and then i make get the call and and have enough you know balls to go hey was it the dude before me he was so awesome and the funny part was for real when he goes no it was a friend of mine i went really i'm like that dude before me killed it yeah, well, I already had a buddy of mine that I'm like, why did you even have auditions, dude? Yeah, almost like just part of the parcel, you know, has to do it for, mm-hmm. a, for a business kind of yeah. uh, thing. Yeah, that's very interesting. I've I've also personally um, never gotten a, a gig from an audition. I mean, I have auditioned and, and I've, I've gotten moderate gigs from auditions. I, I, I don't mean like in that uh, sort of scope, but like with the, the bigger artists, I've done a few of those auditions and, and even had... Um, even had it said to me from MDs that like, oh, wow, yeah, you, you were the top guy today. We'll give you a call and just never gotten that call. 
or or things like that and it's it's an interesting one because again you know how you handle that can be quite quite um beneficial to your career because as a younger musician and and again when i say that and i say this probably in bloody every episode i don't mean that from an age perspective i just mean from a there's there's almost growth sort of periods as a musician and as a younger musician uh, those first few years when those kinds of things happen it can be really damaging to your kind of mental psyche you know you kind of just tell yourself that you're horrible and you're the worst and you must just suck and everybody else is better and and i think that that i mean as i got older i learned to handle that sort of stuff better i think you know um yeah but but again to go back to social media just for a second because i don't want to really harp on that too much more but uh, i think that that must be quite tough now as well because you know when when guys like you and i were coming up you almost it's a natural thing to compare and we get told that we shouldn't but we do anyway and but you're comparing to a handful of guys that you've read about or maybe seen in your local scene, now, you know, you've got these 10-second clips of just six-year-olds doing things that I can't even do. And yeah, I, I, right. I, at, at the age that I am and the, the sort of musical maturity that I believe that I'm at, I can look at that and go, wow, that's really incredible. Um, you know, really good for that kid or whatever it is. But But as a kid, if I was trying to come up now... And I was seeing these things every day. It must be quite defeating to kind of just constantly be, oh man, I can't play what this three-year-old played and I can't play what this guy did backwards. And oh, look, that guy blindfolded himself and still made it better than I can do it. You know, it's like, just kind of yep. weird, you know. No, it's, it's, it is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's, uh, I don't know if there's another word to bloody describe it. <laughs> no, well, it's, I, I, there's, a, there's a handful of these ones that are getting on TV shows and... I'm just going to say this. They are amazing. Yeah. A lot of times when I look at them and they, you're right. Some of them can do stuff I've never even could imagine as a 50 year old. I then go, what if they were 50? They're still very, they're still very good. But I think a lot of times we make the assumption that it's just mind blowing because of age. So I try to keep in mind that are they really going to get that much better? Um, You know what I mean? Like, so when they, they're also going to be stuck with, Oh man, I was a young you know, I had, I had some success on the internet. Are they going to get that same? No one's calling me going, dude, get on this TV show and show off your skills because there's millions of drummers that play like, you know, the same way I do. But when you're a kid and you do it for some reason, it's like, uh, you know, whoa. So like, I guess I get nervous for the young prodigy. Not that they're not amazing, but like I get nervous that they're getting built up now. Are they going to, are they going to be able to, I think you get it. With age kind of comes reality, you yeah. know? Yeah, the real the real life stuff, you know? It's like, uh, it's going to be interesting because there's definitely a handful of them that have like become household names and for good reason. But it's going to sure. be interesting to watch their growth over the next sort of 10 years to see what happens in their, their lives. Will they keep it going? And I hope for their sake they do. But but you know, once once people lose some of that dare I say, cuteness factor. No, that's okay. It's, it's, that's, interest, it's interest, interesting to, to ponder where that might go, you know. All right, Johnny, so you've spent a lot of time on tour buses. Um, yeah. Give us some 
tour bus advice? Uh, tour bus advice. I mean, just um, I feel like you know you're crammed in there with a bunch of your friends, but like at the same time, there's it doesn't matter how friendly they are. Everyone needs their space, so you got to kind of remember that and and just you know remember that you're on the stage most of the time you saw us the other again the other night you know 90 minutes out of the night and then your tour bus for the next 23 hours 22 hours or dressing room so be, be kind learn to be patient learn to have stuff to do i love sleeping which is not amazing because i do waste a lot of time um <laughs> but so like a lot of times i'll take breaks during the day just to kind of recharge or whatever and it's important but you get it it's like think 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 of stuff you could be doing that would help you when you're off the road that's the other thing if you really do get like a real tour you know or when you do um be thinking of you know can you do stuff in logic can you be editing videos can you whatever your site can you make phone calls um you know and just i'd say just watch yourself in other words uh you, you know you don't want to get into like cool i'm gonna drink drink my face off or i'm gonna do a bunch of drugs or it's like I, I just don't i it's available not the drugs more just like you know you can have uh, a beer or whatever but just like be pro it's a, it is a job people forget that it is a job and you know it's, it's okay to have some time after gig to whatever but like remember you're touring for quite a while so you're expected to be sharp you know so um let stuff roll off too, like roll off your back. <laughs> That's important. Um, you know what I mean? Like if somebody makes a joke and you're like, that hurt my feelings. It's like, you kind of got to know to uh, not take it so personally, or even if it was personal, just kind of go, okay, that's okay. That, that, that sucked. That didn't feel good. Um, you know, and because people might be joking and you're like, not in a joking mood. So be, be flexible to that. If that makes any sense, you know what I mean? Like, be willing to have patience, be willing to let stuff go. That's, that's, you know what I mean? And, and then don't overthink if you make a mistake on that gig and band leader or somebody tells you, man, next time, you know, what happened tonight on whatever, don't carry that with you to the next day. Just remember it. If it comes up from them again, sure. You address it, but like, just document it in your mind and then move on from the mistake or, or else you're going to drive yourself nuts. You know, it's like, cause you're doing nine times out of the 10, the same, almost the same show and trying to be like a, like a professional athlete where they might've had a good or bad game. You're trying to do the same thing, man. I had a good game tonight. I had so many points, free throws, this or home runs. You're trying to get, be consistent on a, on a daily basis. So, uh, I don't exercise much and probably should. I think that's a pretty huge one also on the road. And just noise canceling headphones are a good idea or in-ears for your bunk. That's a good idea. Um, you know, and, and keep in mind, you have a lot of downtime so you can learn new things. You can even, I don't, I haven't done this, but I've, I think the idea would be good. Like if you're into Ableton or you're into some recording, you can literally watch tutorials on the bus and like get better. It could even be drum videos, you know, whatever you feel like getting into, you can do and the magic of the internet. Now, um, we have freedom to actually continue lives where it's not just, you know what I mean? So that's my thought on the bus a little bit. And, you know, on the other side of that, what do you think the hardest part 
of being on the road has been for you? Downtime. Like just, and you'd think that it would be, it would equal so much produ- productivity. Something happens to me where you show up at a venue and because there's your obligation for the day is the show that night and your, your income is coming from that tour. Um, you know, I find myself not being as productive, you know, I thought I would, as I would be like, whether it's organizing my book writing stuff, or like I said, tutorials, or I'm going to, I'm going to edit up some songs I've been doing or loops or whatever. It just seems you, you, you need to really have that planned out or it doesn't happen because it, no one is there going, dude, did you get those loops done? Or, Hey, how's it going with, you know, organizing your books into chapters or making the table of contents. You just kind of, you know what I mean? Like the goals can like, oh, I'll get, I'll get to it. We have time. We have a long tour. Well, next thing you know, the tour is over. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does make sense. You know, I mean, you're traveling so much. You, you're away from familiarity. You, you are having to perform at night. You're sleeping all weird hours of the day. It, it's bound to happen, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I mean, you kind of saw me. It's like that one day in New Orleans, went and caught up with folks on the phone in that Louis, Louis Armstrong park thing, you yeah. know, whatever. And then got to hang with you and had great chats. And, but that day was maybe I had a coffee. I made in the bus, um, you know, but we, we joke around a lot, like a lot. I mean, we're like best friends out there, but just, you said some of the hardships or some of the, what's it like? We, we all do our thing. We just, I try to be careful and try to be, as I said, watch myself. I don't want to ever, yeah, I just, you know what I mean? I just watch myself. I, I make sure that I don't have too many drinks or don't, you know, I don't want to run into problems just out of boredom, you know? Of course. Um, okay. So listen, I want to try and be diligent and respectful of your time. So I know we're coming up for like an hour. I'm going to ask you one more question and it's a bit of a loaded one. I ask everybody, um, just quite interesting to always see the different, um, things, you know, um, but basically, Johnny, um, what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received in regards to your career? Now that can be whether it's been in Collective Soul, it can be New 80, it can be the clinic thing, the education, it can be all of it. Um, but what do you think one or some of the best pieces of advice have been? Well, I'll give you a couple, a couple that, that are from my old drum teacher who I just talked to two days ago. Um basically be nice don't be a dick that was one um i love the one and i'm I'm terrible at this but it's i'm not terrible at this with the collective soul by the way because it just it's a different we all know bus call means it's it's leaving at midnight it's not get there at midnight so basically the term of if you're early you're late if it, what is it? It's like if you're on time. Yeah, if you're on time, you're late, and if you're early, you're still late, or something like that. I know the saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like, and if and if you're late, you're screwed. It's like it's basically if 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 you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're if you know what is that one? And that is really true. Like if the bus calls at midnight, get there at fifteen till ten till. It's 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 just what it is. You don't the term oil spotted means like you see the oil from the bus on the pavement because it left. Um, <laughs> too, stranded. too many, yeah, and, too, and not only stranded, the the mo- too many of the one of those could mean a fl- a plane flight home or a bus ride home. Like you're done. 
one of those. Um, it is true. The whole you're fired, like on the bigger gigs, you know what I mean? Like there's mistake one could equal send them home. It's weird that that happens, but it's true. So that advice, I also think like, you know, somebody was telling me like, you know, no shorts on stage. I love that. Unless you're like in a punk band and like your shirts are off and, and you're like really that, you know, you're into that. Like, that's really part of your look. It's, but it's like on like a gig, like nine times out of 10, I see these like cover bands and like these rigs of dad. I don't know if you follow rigs of dad on Instagram, but it's like basically, it's basically, unfortunately the dudes on the weekend that have their flying V guitars and they're like totally in their like white sneakers and like terrible jeans and like they're like dads you know like being like i'm playing a metal band this weekend i think you know even a collective soul i learned it's like i don't wear jeans like blue jeans on stage it's just do something different at least for performance that doesn't look like you just came out of a working in your yard or you know what i mean it's like I'm, I was guilty as hell. I'm like, who cares? Why? Like, just wear what you want. It's like, oh, no, no, no. It really does matter. Like, you know, and then, you know, what time's the gig? How much is it? Am I getting paid? And then, and then what should I wear? Those three things were the kind of from my drum teacher, like when do I, how many rehearsals are there is a big question. Um, are they paid rehearsals? Are they free? You know, and it's really difficult to kind of put your foot down and then decide if you really want to do it or not. Is it all monetary? Is it for fun? If it's for fun, then then you just go do it. Whatever you make, you make. Or you might even pay for parking. You're like, I love this band. I'm just going to go do this. I love playing it. So, And as drummers, it's really hard to stand up for our, we're worth money. Or, you know, we need, I need bing bong amount of money for a show. Or to say no. I'm not doing the tour because it absolutely makes no sense monetarily, like none. So, you know, but yeah, lots of it. That the be nice one is the biggest. Like the be, it's it's massive. It's massive, yeah. and and it's such a simple piece of advice. You're not the first to actually say it, but it is interesting talking to musicians for as long as I've been a musician. Now, it is interesting how some people just don't bring that attribute to their workplace it's very bizarre yeah a lot of uh people misunderstand me and think they oh you're too nice you're too nice. why don't you get mad why don't you you know it's like um you, no i'm i'll take some of the heat and i'll take some of the why do you say sorry all the time well because i'm trying to keep so i was brought up not to say sorry necessarily but brought up to i'm, I'm gonna try my best to make others happy, you know, sometimes at my own expense, unfortunately, but I'm learning to work with that. But I'd rather that than be the guy that's like, man, that dude's a dick and I can't stand working with him. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, Johnny, thank you, man. That was absolutely incredible. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge and your wisdom that you were willing to impart. And uh, let's talk again sometime, dude. Buddy, thank you, Travis. You're the best. And thanks for having me on here. Awesome. Sweet. I would like to thank Johnny for his time. I would like to thank, as usual, each and every one of you who listened to this for your time. If you are getting something from this, please leave us a rating or a review on your chosen streaming platform. You can also find out more about The Musician's Mentor at musicians-mentor.com. 
I'm your host, Travis Mark. You can find out more about me at travismark.com. Until next time, keep on keeping on. Rock and roll.